So to answer the question that's probably burning in your mind is, can I bill for documentation time? And the answer is, it depends. <laughs> it depends on the scenario. So if you are just sitting at your desk, getting ready in the morning, getting ready to leave in the evening, and you're catching up on your documentation, the answer is no. No, you cannot bill for that time because it's not a covered service. But if you're providing point of service documentation and providing a skilled service at the same time, the answer is probably you can bill for your documentation time. Now, here's where people get frustrated because this is not a black and white scenario. It is very gray and it will use your clinical judgment to make a decision as to whether or not you can bill for the time. Hi, I'm Clarice Grody and welcome to the Amplify OT podcast. I'm an occupational therapist by trade and a policy wonk by choice. This podcast is here to help you survive and thrive in the U.S. healthcare system through a better understanding of policy, advocacy, and value-based care. So let's dive in. Welcome, my wonderful OT amplifiers. Today we are talking about point of service documentation. Now I have a feeling this one will be a little bit controversial because I know some people have some strong opinions about point of service documentation. And while some opinions are totally valid, I want to give you some different perspectives on how to think about point of service documentation. We'll also go ahead and talk about whether or not you can bill for your documentation time because I know that question tends to go hand in hand with our point of service documentation questions. And of course, I mean, this is the Amplify OT podcast. We're going to talk about the policy as well. Now, the main reason that I find people want to include their documentation time or chart review time in their billable time isn't because they're purposely trying to defraud somebody or do something illegal it's usually because they want their job to recognize the work that they did. And I see this especially in skilled nursing facilities where productivity rates can be really unreasonably high. And while I absolutely empathize with you, if that is your situation, that is something that needs to be addressed with management, with supervisors, as to why the productivity measurement isn't appropriate and isn't taking into consideration the skilled services that you are providing outside of direct patient care. You should not be looking for ways to potentially engage in illegal activities in order to try and meet a arbitrary standard set by your employer. And many employers define productivity time as billable time, but it's important for you to know that the services that you provide outside of billable time are still extremely valuable and extremely important, especially when it comes to chart review and documentation, because we know that we could not provide safe or effective services if we knew nothing about the patient. So I encourage you, if you are in that situation, to please address it with management. And if nothing happens, sometimes some jobs are just bad and we're better off leaving them. I've been in that situation and I'm sure you may have as well. So if your boss, your mentor, or anyone else is pressuring you to report minutes in the billing section that are spent documenting or chart reviewing that aren't with the patient, or if they're pressuring you to include minutes that you aren't providing a skilled or covered service, I would use the documents that I mentioned today, and I'll link them in the show notes for you, for advocating 
for why you can't do that because it's a violation of a federal law. And as always, advocacy is more effective when you have the policy in hand. So first, let's lay some groundwork as to what exactly documentation is to make sure we're all on the same page. As we all know, documentation is a necessary component of occupational therapy practice, and AOTA even has a guideline on documentation for OT, which I will link in your show notes for you. And here's a quote from AOTA's guideline. It says, AOTA's standards of practice for occupational therapy states that an occupational therapy practitioner documents the occupational therapy services and, quote, abides by the timeframes, formats, and standards established by practice settings, federal and state laws, other regulatory and payer requirements, external accreditation programs, and AOTA documents. So these include both electronic and written forms of documentation. So sorry to bust anyone's bubble, but documentation is here to stay and you have to document whenever you're providing a professional service as an OT or OTA. Now, a documentation or health record serves a number of purposes. One main purpose is to document what happened, right? So that there is a legal record of when you were with the patient, what you did with the patient, why you did it, when you saw them, etc. So that way, if there's ever an issue, you have some sort of documented record of what occurred and when. Another point of documentation or purpose of documentation is to communicate, right? Whether that be with the patient or with other providers, you are communicating that patient status, their updates to whoever may be reading this. And this is definitely something that practitioners have become more and more aware of as patients have increasing access to their medical records. And I always think that's an interesting at times conflict of how do you write a note that is meant to communicate both with other medical providers as well as understanding that that note may be read by the patients or their families and how might those notes be misinterpreted or change what we document. That's a podcast for a whole other day. And a third reason of one of many of why we have medical records is for billing, is to get reimbursed, right? Because we use that document to serve as evidence of what we did and to submit a claim. So to answer the question that's probably burning in your mind is, can I bill for documentation time? And the answer is, it depends. (laughs) It depends on the scenario. So if you are just sitting at your desk, getting ready in the morning, getting ready to leave in the evening, and you're catching up on your documentation, the answer is no. No, you cannot bill for that time because it's not a covered service. But if you're providing point of service documentation and providing a skilled service at the same time, the answer is probably you can bill for your documentation time. Now, here's where people get frustrated because this is not a black and white scenario. It is very gray and it will use your clinical judgment to make a decision as to whether or not you can bill for the time. So point of service documentation is when you document while with the patient, right? While you're sitting in front of the patient, observing them during their session, documenting at the same time. This is very common, especially in skilled nursing facilities, home health or outpatient, right? Like when I would see patients in home health, first thing I would do is pull up my laptop. I'd take down their vitals, record their pain you know, write on their subjective. And then I usually would have them sign the note to verify that I was there before I forget and leave, but kind of cover those basics, get to know you questions at the start of every visit. Same thing in outpatient, right? I would kind of sit down, we'd review their pain, any progress, any updates, 
And then I would also, as we're going through their exercises or interventions, I'm usually kind of documenting how they're responding to those treatments or what we did in my note while the patient is there in front of me. And that is all point of service documentation. You may also see point of service abbreviated to POS. So the main question that you need to ask yourself when deciding whether or not you can bill for your point of service documentation is, am I still providing a service that is skilled, reasonable, and necessary, which is our criteria for when you can or cannot bill Medicare or other payers for your services. And if you want more information on skilled services, then I encourage you to listen to podcast episode number 22, which is all about skilled services and Medicare's definition of skilled and also has an article to go along with it. Now, keep in mind that just documenting if the patient is just sitting there is not a skilled service. Yes, it takes your skill to document, but you have to be providing some sort of intervention or service to the patient. And I like to try and reflect this as to how we would feel, right? Put ourselves in the patient's shoes that if you went to go see a therapist or a doctor and they sat there and documented for 30 minutes without really doing anything and then billed you for that time, I'm going to guess you wouldn't be very happy about that. So same applies for the people that we're working with as well. Now, the reason that point of service documentation can be so controversial is primarily because of the reasons why practitioners feel like they have to do point of service documentation. And usually it's because their employers want them to do it in order to be more efficient with their time. And if you're like me, you probably don't like being told what to do. And so the natural instinct is to say, I'm not going to do that because it takes away time from the patient. But I will tell you that there are pros to point of service documentation. And of course, there's also times where it's not appropriate. And I'm going to give you some examples. So example number one, let's say that you have Mrs. Smith and you are seeing her for a home health visit. You are reviewing what you did for that session. You're talking to her about her goals, making sure that the goals are still in line with what she wanted to do. And you're sitting there documenting at the same time. So I'm sitting there on my notes. You're documenting the patient completed activities of daily living, so dressing with minimum assistance, and you're kind of communicating that to her as well, saying, you know, today we got dressed, you only needed a little bit of help. How did you feel about that? Do you feel like you're making progress? You know, what are your thoughts? Do you feel like this is still an important goal to you, et cetera, et cetera. So you are engaging that patient in education. You are educating them about the role of occupational therapy, which is also a great way to advocate for OT and help them understand the purpose. You're building that buy-in, you're building therapeutic rapport, and that is definitely a skilled service. Now, if you're just sitting there like reading off stuff to check the list, not really skilled. But if you're having an engaged conversation, especially one that's including education, then that's something that you can most likely bill point of service documentation. So not only is it beneficial to you and it's more time effective because you are able to document while with the patient. It's also better too because you're recording accurate results and so you don't have to try and remember something later while you're documenting on like 10 different patients, but also it helps build that therapeutic buy-in and also can help reduce that when the family member says, oh, have you had occupational therapy? And they're like, oh, is that just the gal who helps me get dressed? You know, kind of avoid those kind of scenarios because now they understand why it is you're doing what you're doing with them, how it relates to their goals, and how they can be part of the process. So those kinds of interactions can be where point of service documentation is really beneficial. 
Plus, I think for me, when I use point of service documentation, it really helps me key back in to the purpose of why we're seeing this patient, making sure they're still on board with their plan of care, and making sure that I ask them all the questions that they need. So I never left a patient's home thinking, oh, I wish I had asked them this, or I wish I had remembered that their, you know, recertification is next week and I needed to ask them these five things. So, you know, it helps me kind of double check my boxes. Plus it's a great time to remind them of when their next appointment is or set up the next appointment, those sorts of things. So I think there are a lot of pros to point of service documentation, but let's talk about an example on the opposite side of the spectrum. Now, these kinds of scenarios are ones that occasionally I see an outpatient and especially heard of under the rug levels in skilled nursing facilities. And this is where people are documenting. And while they are technically with the patient, they aren't actually providing a covered or billable service while they're with the patient. So billing for your point of service documentation is not as black and white as I'm with the patient, I'm not with the patient. You have to be with them face-to-face, you know, providing a service that's skilled and reasonable and necessary. So if you're just like sitting in the room and the patient's like sleeping, you can't bill for that time. You're not providing a covered service. You're just sitting next to them. Or if you're documenting and you're just chit-chatting with them about the weather or the latest outfit their dog wore, also, again, not billable because you're not providing a skilled service. So even though you may be documenting and you're chatting with the patient, Talking to them about the weather is not as covered in skilled service. Here's another example. Let's say you have a patient, you're an outpatient, they come in and you go ahead and pop them on the ergometer for 10 minutes to warm up their shoulder before you start doing whatever it is you're going to do. While they're doing that 10 minutes, you are sitting next to them catching up on your documentation. So maybe you finish the note from the patient before and you're just kind of chatting with them. And like, maybe you ask them a couple questions to monitor their vitals, but overall the patient's doing this pretty independently and you're just documenting things. That's also really not skilled. So you could probably bill for the amount of time where you're providing a skilled intervention, but if the patient is just sitting on the machine and you're not doing anything skilled like education or monitoring vitals and response, you know, it's not a reasonable and necessary treatment, just kind of something to warm them up, then that's really not a skilled service. And so if you're documenting during that time, you probably shouldn't be billing for that time. Another question I got asked recently about point of service documentation is, let's say you have two patients. Can you bill patient A for documentation time while you're treating patient B? And the answer is no. It's not about just being with the patient or a patient, right? It's about being with the person that you're billing and providing a skilled service. So if you are treating patient B and documenting about patient A, you definitely can't bill patient A, but you should also be concerned about whether or not you're truly providing a skilled service to patient B that you can bill for. Because if you are so disconnected from the patient that's in front of you that you are finishing a note That's more than just like, you know, clicking a sign box that you're finishing a note of a prior patient that probably means you really aren't giving the patient in front of you the full attention that you should be and can definitely call into question as to whether or not you're really providing a covered service to patient B. So those are just some common scenarios of when you can bill for point of service documentation and when you can't. Now, I will say in acute care, I really didn't do point of service documentation. The rooms really weren't set up in a way that allowed me to. I had like a piece of paper where I'd write stuff down while I was with them. So you could say that's kind of doing point of service, but then I'd have to copy it all into the computer. 
versus I did work at a different facility for my field work and they actually had computers in the individual rooms. And in those settings, I was able to do a little bit more point of service documentation in acute care because there was computers in the room that I could easily log on to and kind of type in the subjective information, update whatever the patient tells me, and then I'm able to log out and continue on with my hands-on intervention. Also, an outpatient was able to do a lot more point of service and home health was able to do point of service. Four hours I spent in a sniff, I was able to do point of service documentation for the most part, but obviously I can't do it the whole time. But then also an outpatient, if I had a patient with lymphedema or someone who was much more involved, I definitely couldn't necessarily do point of service documentation. So it's all a bit of a balance. It depends on who you're working with, hands-on. Obviously, we should never put a patient at risk for safety because we want to get our notes done for our productivity or because we're feeling pressure from management. So it does have to be a bit of a give and take. So right after this break, we will talk about why you cannot bill for documentation or chart review time when you are not with the patients. I'll see you in a minute. Are you ready to take your occupational therapy practice to the next level? Then look no further than the Amplify OT membership. You heard that right. Amplify OT has its very own membership program. This membership is designed to help occupational therapy practitioners just like you stay informed about the latest developments in Medicare and advocacy. You will have exclusive access to resources, webinars, the Mastering OT Policy and Medicare course, Q&A sessions, plus the ability to DM me your questions and get answers fast. But of course, that is not all. As a member, you'll be part of a community of like-minded occupational therapy practitioners who are share their expertise and offer support. So by joining the Amplify OT membership, you'll be able to stay up to date on the latest Medicare regulations and guidelines, learn how to advocate for your patients and your profession, connect with other OT practitioners and students to share your knowledge, and you'll have access to those exclusive resources and webinars so you can reach your full potential as an OT provider. So don't miss out on this opportunity to take your practice to the next level. Sign up for the Amplify OT membership today by going to the link in the show notes or amplifyot.com forward slash membership. Don't forget to stay informed and be the change that you want to see in our healthcare system. Today's episode is proudly sponsored by MedBridge, your go-to resource for advancing your occupational therapy career and, of course, getting those necessary CEUs. If you are passionate about staying at the forefront of our field and enhancing your skills, MedBridge is a comprehensive solution. With the MedBridge subscription, you gain access to an extensive library of high-quality live and recorded courses led by industry experts. So stay up to date with the latest advancements in occupational therapy, explore evidence-based practice, and enhance your clinical skills. One reason that I really like and recommend MedBridge is because they have both intervention-based courses and policy and reimbursement-based courses, and that is a rare find in a CEU company. But here's the best part for our OT amplifiers community. If you use the promo code AMPLIFYOT at checkout, you'll unlock an exclusive 40% discount on your MedBridge subscription. Yes, you heard that right, 40% off with the code AMPLIFYOT. That's A-M-P-L-I-F-Y-O-T. This is a fantastic opportunity to save some money, elevate your practice, and support Amplify OT. So don't miss out on this chance to supercharge your professional development 
and head over to MedBridge.com, use the promo code AmplifyOT, and enjoy the benefits of MedBridge while also supporting AmplifyOT and all the free resources that we produce here, like this podcast. So again, head to MedBridge.com, use the code AmplifyOT at checkout, and we also have the link for you in the show notes. All right, welcome back. One of my other popular questions I see on social media all the time is, can I bill for documentation time or for chart review time? And there's two different points to discuss here, both with timed codes and with untimed CPT codes. And frankly, the timed code one is the easiest, so we'll answer that right away. If you look at the CPT code definitions for all timed codes, they will include somewhere in the definition that it is direct one-on-one patient contact. So if you are not one-on-one with that patient, you cannot bill for that time or report minutes underneath that code as a covered service. So if you're documenting without the patient present, you're not providing a skilled service that falls under that CPT code, you cannot bill for it. That is a hard stop. And yes, this still applies with group therapy codes because it also includes requirements for direct patient contact. So if you're sitting in your office at the end of the day, filling out your documentation, you cannot bill the patient for that time. Now here's the next thing, because I also hear this when it comes to Medicare Part A. They say, but Clarice, under Medicare Part A, we aren't billing CPT codes, we're just reporting therapy minutes. So shouldn't I report the amount of time that I'm providing therapy? And I say, yes, of course. But that doesn't include chart review and documentation time that's not spent with the patient. One of the clearest definitions we have for this comes from the MDS manual that was updated in October of 2019. It defines minutes of therapy very specifically as to what you can or cannot include. For example, bullet number three under minutes of therapy says the therapist's time spent on documentation or on initial evaluation is not included of minutes of therapy. They also say that only time spent providing a skilled service should be recorded on the MDS, which is the admission assessment for SNF, that you cannot report therapy time as time spent on non-skilled interventions. So while yes, completing chart reviews and documentation, et cetera, is part of your job as a therapy practitioner, it cannot be reported to Medicare as therapy minutes or therapy treatment time. So even if you are not using CPT codes, Medicare is very clear that in order to bill or report that time, it has to be direct one-on-one patient contact or in the group or concurrent therapy. This episode is starting to get a little bit long and maybe you're tired of hearing about documentation, but I'll go ahead and try and keep this next part short, which has to do with billing for documentation time and chart review time with an evaluation. Now, the main argument I hear in favor of why someone should be able to bill for documentation and chart review time in an eval is because, first of all, it's included in the CPT definition of an evaluation code for OT, and second of all is because it's an untimed code. Now, if timed and untimed codes are something that you're not quite familiar with, I have an entire module and lesson on billing and on these topics in the Mastering OT Policy course, in the Amplify OT membership, which if you want to join, link is in the show notes. So if you don't want to listen to the longer explanation and you just want the answer of, can I bill for chart review time and documentation time for an evaluation when I'm not with the patient, the answer is no. As always, it's no. CMS indicates that when you are submitting a note, you have to report two different things. 
you have to report the treatment time, which is the total treatment time, which is the actual beginning and ending time of the treatment, which is the time that you spent with the patient. And you want that to be accurate, not only because it's required by CMS when you submit a claim, but also for legal purposes, right? You don't want to write that you were with the patient at 1030, because what happens if they had a stroke at 1030, then it looks like you were with the patient when they had a stroke when you actually weren't. That could potentially cause some problems if there was ever a legal case. And I always say, write as if you had to read this documentation if you had to go to court. The second thing you have to report on these claims is the total number of timed 15-minute units that can be billed by the therapy practitioner, as well as any untimed codes. Now, technically speaking, you don't technically have to report the amount of time you spent under an untimed code in a claim. They say that, you know, the documenting the session time should help justify the appropriateness of the services provided, but a lot of EMRs do still have you go ahead and document the time spent on that untimed code just to kind of further support the evidence that you actually provided that service. CMS does clarify one step further, and I'm looking at the 11 Part B billing scenarios for OT and PT. It says that in cases where recording the total treatment time may not be sufficient to describe the extent of the therapeutic procedures or where certain practice policies require it, the time spent delivering each service described by either a timed or untimed CPT code could be recorded. So you would report the total time or the beginning and ending time for each session defined by timed code and or the total time in which you were spent with the patient involved in services defined by untimed codes. And part of this is because there may be times where you are with a patient, but you're providing unbillable services. So if the patient is taking a rest break and you're not providing some other skilled service during that rest break, you technically aren't allowed to bill for that time. Or let's say that you have a patient that, you know, was on the phone for half an hour in acute care, which I've definitely had that, or where they're on the phone for like 10 minutes. I can't bill for that time. So even though I was in the room, I couldn't bill for that time. So usually in my note, you know, you write the total treatment time. So let's say I was with the patient from 1 to 1.30, but then I would include in my note that 10 minutes of that was spent with the patient on the phone and so it was not reflected in my billing, so then I would only bill for 20 minutes of therapy and not 30, even though I spent 30 minutes in the room. So you can start to see how in those definitions, there is nothing that indicates that you should be including documentation or chart review time that you spend in addition to treatment time in those billable minutes. And since it's an untimed code, I guess like technically speaking, you could write in your chart somewhere the amount of time you spent documenting or chart reviewing if that makes you feel better or you feel like it better justifies why you picked the evaluation code that you did, but you should not, like if you have a billing section on your EMR, you should not put in there the amount of time you spent on documentation or chart review. You should probably put it in like an addendum or a free text area you shouldn't put it in the billing time. And while yes, it is an untimed code, so technically the number of minutes provided don't matter, I will say that if you get audited or if you go to court, they will expect that the time that you reported in the billing section will be time that was spent providing a billable service, of which documentation and chart review time not spent with the patient providing a skilled service is not a billable service. And so it will look like that you purposefully tried to inflate 
the amount of time spent with the patient in order to defraud the payer. So if all this billing and documentation stuff is making your head spin, please know that you're not alone. This stuff is challenging, and I will admit that I spent probably a little over two hours putting together this like 30-minute podcast episode for you today because it took me some time to find the regulations. You are not alone. Billing is hard. It's challenging to understand. The good news is is that there are resources like this podcast to support you. AOTA can support you. Your state associations can support you. And I also have an entire module full of lessons to explain how billing works in the Amplify OT membership. So you can sign up today to immediately access those lessons. It's module three of the Mastering OT Policy and Medicare course in the Amplify OT membership. And as a exclusive bonus for my podcast listeners, because I love you guys so much, you can sign up at any time, even if the cart is closed for everybody else. So that's a little gift to my lovely podcast OT amplifiers. All right. As always, folks, let me know if you have any questions. I am here to support you. Thank you for being an advocate. Thank you for being an amplifier. And I will see you on our next episode. If you made it this far, I want to just take a moment to say thank you so much for listening to the Amplify OT podcast, and I hope you're feeling a little more inspired and prepared to amplify your value and the value of occupational therapy. If you found yourself at any point thinking, gosh, I guess policy isn't that dull and boring, then you're definitely going to love how we talk about policy and advocacy in the Amplify OT membership. There's a link in the show notes where you can sign up today so you can take an immediate next step towards emerging as a confident clinician. And of course, don't forget to follow the Amplify OT podcast so that way you never miss an episode. And you know, while you're there, why don't you go ahead and leave us a five-star review because that's the best way to help others find the podcast too. And of course, thank you so much to Jessica Riccio for editing this podcast and for all of you for giving me a reason to record it. You're now officially part of the OT Amplifier community, and you are now prepared to go out there and advocate for OT. Because remember, if we don't advocate for occupational therapy, then who will?